from KMUW Studios and part of the NPR Podcast Network, this is Books and Whatnot. I'm Beth Golay, host of KMUW's Marginalia Podcast. And I'm Suzanne Perez, KMUW's resident book reviewer. This episode was recorded on October 12th, 2023. So any references to new or forthcoming and the like are relative. Hi, Beth. Hello, Suzanne. Wow, another month, another stack of books to tell people about. I know, it's kind of exciting. It is exciting. How have you been? How's your how's your reading been going? My reading's been going fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, not too crazy, not too many interviews stacked up in one week. That's so. nice. Yeah. That is good, especially for you. <laughs> especially for me. Because you tend to, you know, <laughs> try and overdo it. Yeah, but. well, before we begin talking about these books, I just, I really want to mention that we are still and always accepting shelfies. Yes, we want your photos of your sh- your bookshelves at home or wherever you do your reading. Um, ideally, we'd like you in the photo, so make it a selfie shelfie. and well, send that's what a shelfie is. Shelfie yeah, send a shelf <laughs> selfie, a shelfie selfie, a shelf selfie. That's if right. If it's just your shelf, it's just a shelf. Right. It's just a picture of a shelf. <laughs> You're right. That is so correct. send us your shelfie, yeah. with or without you in it. Yes, we, we're yes. fine either way. But we'd and love to see your smiling faces. Absolutely. And we'll send you a Books and Whatnot sticker. Yay! Plus your image will be the show image. Yes. So the way to send that uh, in is podcasts, plural, at kmuw.org. So just email that to us and we'd, we'd love to see it. And also uh, just a little uh, hint at, at what's coming up uh, later in this episode after we talk about what we've been reading lately. Uh, Beth and I will be talking about fall reading and we're sort of getting into that. Well, we're, we're in it. We're in the thick of fall reading we really season. Are. So mm-hmm. we're going to just talk a little bit about how the change of seasons may change our reading. And then uh, we'll mention some, some books we're either reading or are excited about. So that's coming up. That's right. All right. So, Beth, what's your first book you'd like to talk about today? Well, my first one is Wellness by Nathan Hill. And since we both have it on our list, let's divide and conquer. So why don't you talk about the book and then I will add some anecdotal nonsense. Oh, that's so I do the book and you do the whatnot. That's right. I love that. Okay. So um, Wellness is a new novel by Nathan Hill, who was the author of The Knicks that came out several years ago. It's been a while. 2016, I believe. Yeah. So it's been a while since we've uh, heard from Nathan Hill. But the fact that this new novel is 624 pages lets us know (laughs) what he was doing in the meantime. (laughs) So this is kind of set in uh, 1990s Chicago in the art scene. And it's the story of a couple that meets that way in Chicago, Jack and Elizabeth, they meet as college students in the 1990s. um, And they quickly, you know, fall in love and create a life together. The book deals with all kinds of issues, uh, but primarily sort of our quest for wellness, hence the title this, you know, sort of all the crazy and not so crazy things we do to try and stay healthy and live a better life. It really delves into love and what that means and how different people approach love and marriage and monogamy and everything that entails. And, you know, it's just it's another epic novel. And it has lots of great Chicago scenes and lots of almost, I'd say, satirical looks at 
the wellness zeitgeist. So how's that for a Good for job. a wrap up? Good okay, job. Okay, now what do you want to say about it? Well, uh, Nathan Hill graduated from Mays High School in 1994, Yay. so he's a Wichita kid. But Oprah just picked his book for the, her next book club selection, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy and wonderful. And also, I wonder if Oprah's just basically picking large books these days. Oh, I don't know. Her last one was Covenant of Water. Oh, both yes, good books. Both good books, but both <laughs> pretty solid doorstops of a read. So, yeah, that was interesting to me. And before I give any more anecdotal nonsense, I will say that that opening scene mm-hmm. when they met is one of my favorites ever. I'm trying to remember if I heard from him maybe that um, that, that was a short story to begin with. Somewhere I heard that, that that first several pages of the the meet cute uh, between Jack and Elizabeth and sort of how that how that happens was sort of a short story in and of itself that he then expanded on and it really does read like that it, that 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 first part of the book is just beautifully done. I believe that's accurate. I think I've heard him say the same thing that that part was written for a long time. He knew how it was going to start and I I don't know if he decided it would be a book after that or what. Yeah. But um. Okay, so my short story group, I think I've talked about on We before right. here. Yeah. We surprised our friends at X Island Bookville in Chicago, and it was the night that Nathan Hill had a reading there. What so. a coinky <laughs> dink and a wonderful coincidence. Exactly. And I told him we were going to be there, and he kept a secret, and so it was a really great surprise. But one of the questions that Javier asked Nathan on stage that night was about his go-to karaoke song. Oh, wow. That's a great question. And then a few hours later, we happened to be in an Uber equipped with karaoke. (laughs) So I have a video of a Yellow Submarine sing-along saved for posterity or blackmail. I haven't decided which. And it just was, you know, talk about coincidence. It was just so funny that that happened to be a question and then we happened to be in an uber that was a karaoke uber well, any any <laughs> karaoke you had me at karaoke uber <laughs> that was my second one. Oh my gosh how do you get so lucky i just start singing oh, well i do that too but i my uber listen my uber drivers tend not to appreciate it what does that say about me <laughs> i don't know but i will also say that wellness is our november literary feast selection so if you can't make it in person you know participate online through the kmuw literary feast facebook group. I loved this book. Mm. I uh, listened to it on audio. I sort of, well, I went back and forth between audio and print. And uh, the narration is really good on this one if you're into audio. And it was just, yeah, it was it was a really nice read. And I look forward to seeing him and hearing more about it. And there's a Kansas connection in the book as well. I mean, oh, that's true. Flint you know, Hills we didn't, uh, you're right. I didn't uh, mention that uh, Jack, the character in the book, grew up in Kansas uh, in the Flint Hills. And there are lots of references to sort of farm and ranch life in the Flint Hills and especially uh, range burning, mm-hmm. uh, which is obviously such an iconic Kansas thing in the spring. So that, that plays a part in the novel as well. Yeah. And I, I interviewed Nathan Hill for this book already. And he talked about when he was in high school, he worked at the Palace Theater oh. and he left one night late and he saw this orange glow in the sky and he followed it. And that's when he saw his first range burn. So yeah. yeah. So that's that's another reminder to go and listen to Beth's interview with Nathan Hill uh, in that episode of Marginalia. So, wow, we've got, talk about cross-promotion here. We've got uh, Marginalia, we've got KMUW Literary Feast, which is our monthly book club. We're treating Nathan Hill right here in the studio. (laughs) He's treating us right. That's true. That's true. So congratulations (laughs) to him. That is, uh, yeah, a really nice, really nice read. Yeah. So what's on your list? Well, I wanted to quickly talk about a book 
It's not new. It came out uh, quite a while ago, maybe last year. It's a celebrity memoir, Finding Me by Viola Davis. Now, uh, I am in a book club that has decided to really delve into memoir. and uh, <laughs> Because it was your we, idea. Right. <laughs> as I said last episode, I think it was, it may have been my idea. I'm not sure, you know, how these things happen. Anyway, um, so this one by Viola Davis was uh, the first one we're tackling. I just have to say that the audio on this book is stunning. I have been recommending it to so many people since I wrapped it up. She uh, reads the book uh, for the audio, and of course, her voice is so wonderful. And if you're familiar with Viola Davis's work, she's she's an EGOT winner. She has won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Oh, wow. Yes. So, and I didn't even realize that until they I read call this. It, they should change that acronym to somehow be GOAT. No, for the greatest no of all. A, I know. Well, if, Academy if, if, Award? Well, no. Okay. Mm. Yeah, we need to think about that. Okay. We'll call her an E-GOAT. <laughs> an winner. E-GOAT, yes. Uh, she had a really um, terrifyingly abusive and difficult childhood, and she's super honest in it. She talks about her upbringing uh, in and the, dealing with poverty and racism and all of the things she dealt with. She grew up in Rhode Island. Hmm. Um, so in, you know, not necessarily in, in kind of a, a predominantly white town and a predominantly white school there. But she talks about how acting just really kind of saved her life and gave her direction. She talks about the ins and outs of getting into that career. Even if you're not interested in a particular person or celebrity, sometimes the memoir is so good that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like one of those NPR stories that keeps you in the driveway, you know, about grasshoppers or whatever. You don't know, you know, how how much you're interested until you start listening. And that's what this was like for me. It made me want to go back and and check out her body of work. and, Mm. And I was reminded of performances that I've been wowed by in the past, particularly her role in Fences, the August Wilson play. She played it both on Broadway, on stage, and in the movies with Denzel Washington. That, if you have not seen Fences, that is an incredibly powerful movie. And there's a scene in there that just is heartbreaking. Um, And then she was also in Doubt, the movie with Meryl Streep. Um, She played the mother of a child that was in that catholic parish and anyway um so so of course you know you go down rabbit holes when you read especially nonfiction. and and reading this memoir made me look up all the viola davis wonderful performances she even talks about the help and uh, her role in that movie and the subsequent uh, kind of backlash that she and producers of that movie and and the novelist have gotten in more recent times about hmm. uh, kind of the the issues and how they're dealt with in that novel and in that movie. So um, anyway, that is Finding Me by Viola Davis. If it's at all possible for you, check out the audio on that one. Okay. My next one is We're Safe When We're Alone by Neem Tran. And this book has the feel of a fable. It is set in a purgatorial world. The main characters' names are father and son, so it kind of just has that, not standoffish, but removed feel about it. The novel begins with this line, I have lived in the mansion my whole life. And I immediately thought of Shirley Jackson with We Have Always Lived in the Castle. And it turns out that Neem was inspired by Shirley Jackson's novel when he wrote this. 
And so Sun feels safest when he's protected in the mansion and not outside in the world of ghosts. And that's very much how Neem Tran felt when he immigrated to Wichita from Vietnam. So his writing and this novel is a reflection of his own cultural assimilation. Wow. Yeah. He graduated from East High, but he went to school at Syracuse and a couple of other places. How about how old is he? I mean, like, did he graduate He's recently? 30. Okay. Yeah. So young. <laughs> Relatively to us. And what I loved was after my interview with him, I got on that train for Chicago, and there at Exile was a huge stack of them. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Yeah. It's published by Coffeehouse Press. That's so cool. All kinds of Wichita connections today. It's a great little novella called We're Safe When We're Alone by Neem Tran. Wow. I'm going to check that out. And, you know, you're also teasing to our discussion later with we have always lived in the castle because talk oh, about a yeah. talk about a creepy fall read that's a that's a good one um, and speaking of creepy reads we'll get to my next one which is the trap by Catherine ryan howard now Catherine ryan howard is an irish um writer who writes um thrillers that sort of lean toward police procedurals and it is not my normal genre at all, but I had been hearing about her work on some other podcasts, including Currently Reading um, and, and some other ones that I listened to. So I just wanted to check her out. The Trap came out recently. And it's a mystery, sort of a, a mystery slash thriller. And it was inspired by a series of disappearances in Ireland in the 1990s that are still unsolved. Hmm. Basically, these young women were disappearing and... They, they still don't know what happened. So Catherine Ryan Howard sort of took that idea and, and ran with it. This is also set in the 90s, but it's told from three perspectives. So you have a, a young woman named uh, Lucy, whose sister Nikki is one, of, is, is one of the women who disappeared. She left to meet her friends at a pub in Dublin and just never came home. And then you have Angela, who uh, works as kind of a civilian paper pusher in the police department there in the town in Ireland. The third perspective, Beth, is super creepy because it's the perspective of a nameless man who's driving a car and talking about what he's been doing lately and his most recent victim is in the back seat. Oh, wow. He's narrating it to her. He is the killer. And, um, you know, we know this pretty early in the novel and in it, then it unfolds from there. It was really, really good. Um, it makes me want to check out more of Catherine Ryan Howard's work. Again, if you are into sort of crime, mystery, thriller, it was, it was an, an interesting genre mashup, I think, because uh, while there's nothing, you know, horribly gory about it, it's not, it's definitely not a horror novel. Um, it's got some creepy factors, but it also really deals with almost a true crime kind of angle to it as well, because um, it talks about how police can, you know, attack these kinds of crimes. And then also their effect on families and survivors and that whole whole thing. So that is called The Trap, and it's by Catherine Ryan Howard. Sounds good. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of that um, Clemence. Yes, The, the Quiet, Quiet Tenant. Tenant. Yeah. I thought so, too, which is still on my list and yeah. also sounds like a really good uh, Halloween season read. Yes, it would be. <laughs> okay. What's your next one? My next one is Differ We Must, How Lincoln Succeeded in a Divided America by Steve Inskeep. Steve Inskeep? Steve Inskeep. If you, that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to NPR in the morning, you've heard 
Steve Inskeep, because he's been the host of Morning Edition since 2004. He's also a history buff, and his latest book is about Abraham Lincoln. And he looks at 16 encounters Lincoln had with someone who differed from him, but they each had wanted something from each other. And so he, you know, he takes a look at how Lincoln maintained his strong moral compass in a divided country and how he went from a minority party to president while uniting a nation and how he did it by working with these people who he did not agree with. Wow, what a concept. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I was I was so impressed just by the sheer number of facts and stories that Inskeep has committed to memory. He even told me a story about a Wichita State game before we started the interview, and he, he even got the score spot on. I mean, that he kind of has that kind of mind where once he learns something, he, he just doesn't forget it. Oh, wow. So, you know, as impressive as he is on Morning Edition, there's a lot more to this man and to Lincoln than first meets the eye. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. And um, also lots of different, I mean, it would appeal to a lot of different kinds of readers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you got to appreciate a well-researched book. <laughs> I'm learning that with I happen to be reading The Wager now, the David Graham oh, novel, right. which is our October Literary Feast uh, selection. And oh my gosh, in every on every page, I'm just like, all of the research that went into this sentence, mm-hmm. this paragraph, it's just so impressive to me. So mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds like a good one. So that's a, a good reminder too, to listen to that interview uh, that you have on Marginalia. Yep. All of these I have interviews on. All right. Yeah, you've been a busy, busy bee. Um, Okay, my next one is Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang. C. Pam Zhang wrote How Much of These Hills is Gold, which was award-winning, I believe. I I did not read it, and I was not really aware of her work uh, until I was in our local bookstore recently, and one of the booksellers asked me if I had read Land of Milk and Honey because he really, really, really enjoyed it and thought that I would too because there is – because it's dystopian – uh, it's sort of speculative uh, fiction and deals with a lot of, of ethical issues. And I was like, okay, sign me up. Here I go. I'm going to read this book. And I did. Wow. This is uh, another one where, well, let me, let me tell you first a little bit about the plot. So it takes place in the future. And uh, essentially, a deadly smog has spread through the planet. It's cli-fi. <laughs> you know, it's climate fiction. A deadly smog has really knocked out almost all animals and crops on the earth. All the food crops are disappearing. The only thing that is left to cook with is this sort of an amalgam flour that's made of beans and uh, uh, soybeans and algae and some other things that don't need a lot of sun to grow. Sounds and delicious. Yes, doesn't it? So <laughs> uh, this novel is told from the point of view of a chef who is obviously distraught working for a restaurant in the San Francisco area when the book first opens because, you know, the menu is quickly uh, diminishing of things that they can serve. And she hears about a job opening on this mountaintop enclave in Italy where these uber-rich investor types have saved this one portion of land where the sun still shines. And they have a lab there that is trying to uh, recreate different animals and food crops. It's an incredible premise. You've got all, all of the climate change things happening. And then you've also got it really reads like a, almost a food memoir. You know, I, I read a lot of, I, I'm 
a kind of a foodie. I appreciate food. I love food. And um, I read a lot of food related books. And this one, let me tell you, Beth, the turns of phrase on how she describes food. It is so vivid and visceral. Her writing is just incredible. I'm not going to give too much away because it's really uh, kind of interesting the way the story unfolds in this novel. The narrator, who is always nameless, we never never know her name, uh, deals with all kinds of kind of ethical issues of, you know, wealth disparity and, you know, are they doing the right thing by trying to, you know, sort of have this insular community where they're you know, they could be trying to save the world by recreating all these uh, plants and animals. But anyway, it's the language, the writing, everything about this novel was superb. Um, I was really glad it was recommended to me. So that, again, is Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang. The premise reminds me of that TV show Snowpiercer. Oh, gosh, I've never heard of that. It came out just, I don't know, not too many years ago, but it's um, it's a series They are passengers on a train. It's a gigantic, perpetually moving train that circles the globe, carrying the remnants of humanity seven years after the world has become a frozen wasteland. What? But, you know, when the train was taking off, all these people were trying to get on the train, and those who were left behind were left behind. Yeah. And this, they, like, try to grow their own food on this train, and they have, it's, I don't know, it's it's Jennifer Connelly stars in it. I have to check that out. That sounds like something I'd like. It's that sort of Noah's Ark concept, isn't it? Like, you know, we're all, you know, this is the ship going, you know, into the future, and everyone else is left behind. I'm sure the book is better. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> the I, land of milk and honey. Oh, oh, well, I don't know, but that 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 is it a TV series or a it's movie? It's a series. Okay, yeah, cool. I need to check that out. At All least right. that's the. I, I think it's a series. I don't okay. know. Yeah, I don't know if it started as a movie or yeah. what. But well, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. What's your next one, Beth? My next one is Family Meal by Brian Washington. Oh, yeah, that's a big big title for the fall. Yeah, this novel is set in Houston. It's a story told through three voices: Cam, Kai, and TJ. Kai is Cam's boyfriend who was killed during a traffic stop, so we actually hear from his ghost throughout. And so does Cam, actually. (laughs) He keeps appearing to Cam. Um, Cam and TJ were neighbors growing up, and then they became family when Cam's parents were killed and TJ's family took Cam in. Um, This is a look at, you know, navigating queerness, about dealing with grief, about what makes a family. Brian Washington asks all of these questions, but he's not necessarily looking for answers. He just poses the questions. And I believe he posed these same questions in his first novel, Memorial. Um, Oh, and TJ's family has a bakery, so there's some great food throughout Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So Brian Washington was named 5 Under 35 by the National Book Foundation when his book Memorial was published. And Family Meal is his second novel. And he's still only, I mean, he's just 30 years old. Wow. On the rise. On the rise. Brian Washington, Family Meal. All right. My next one is Whale Fall by Daniel Krause. Beth, I happened to read this while I was on a cruise (laughs) looking for (laughs) whales. I thought it would be a good book to to bring along. Um, And it was. So this is a book that was published by MTV Press, which, um, you know, a a friend of ours noted that when I was mentioning that I was interested in this book and noted also that the last book he remembers from MTV Press was Perks of Being a Wallflower. So they're few but far between and and very uh, memorable, apparently. This one has sort of Martian vibes to it. Our narrator, Jay Gardner, um, is heading out on a 
lone scuba dive. No one else knows he's going out. You know that's always going to be a bad sign. (laughs) No one knows he's going out. He's looking for the remains of his father who died in an accident on the Pacific Ocean off the coast of Monastery Beach in California. And so he dives down looking for, you know, his father's remains. And he is, in fact, swallowed by an 80-foot, 60-ton sperm whale. And he has essentially one hour to escape this whale's stomach. Here's the thing. It sounds crazy. Obviously, it is crazy. But the author did a lot of research into whales, and he just sort of played around a little bit with how they actually eat and what their insides are like. They have four stomachs, just like a cow. I did not know this. Hmm. I learned a lot of things about whales. And he makes it just believable enough to where you are there with him. The best part about it, I thought, is the overall structure of the novel is told in chapters where the title of the chapter is how much oxygen he has left in his tank. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it starts out with so and so many units of of oxygen left, and then it goes down, down, down. But the descriptions of the deep undersea world in this novel are great. The pace, of course, is just super propulsive, and it has some twists and turns and some exciting uh, little battles. And it's not, you know, just like a Jonah story where he's just in the stomach waiting to be spat out. It almost has 127 hour vibes to it. I don't know if you saw, read that memoir or saw the movie about a climber and the guy who had to cut off his arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that came up in trivia about when that happened. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's right. It was in one of the final questions. Anyway, it has sort of vibes of 127 hours because it's this quest for survival and will he make it? Um, It was fantastic. It was Whale Fall by Daniel Krause. Now, are you familiar with him at all? Daniel Krause? Yeah. No, not at all. He's the Chicago guy. Well, he lives there now. Oh, of course. And he's, uh, he, I've been on several Zoom calls with him because he's really good friends with Javier. Oh, at, is that right? Yeah. And he's all he's really well known for his collaborations with um, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, that's right. He, he did, did uh, Color of Water. Yes. And then right. uh, another one with him. And then also George A. Romero. So he he collaborated with him on the on the film uh, for The Living Dead. But then he also finished his novel. He's well rounded Mm -hmm. with everything that he does well and that explains why this novel reads so cinematically Mm. you know it would make a fantastic movie and that that really explains it yeah and maybe maybe we'll be lucky enough to see this on the screen whale fall okay what's your next one my last last one one is called one woman show by christine coulson and this is a read in one setting novel it's also we love those yeah it's also singular in concept This is the story of one woman's life, Kitty Whitaker, and it's told through museum wall labels. Wow. Like the little things that you you sometimes read when you look at a painting? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It begins when she's five and it follows her through her almost a full century life. And we, you know, we also have museum labels for some adjacent characters or she calls them garniture. But Coulson worked for 25 years at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in a variety of roles there, but one of her latest jobs was writing the museum wall labels for the British exhibit or something like that. Wow. So she, for this book, she held herself to their strict standards for writing about art. I mean, that's how she wrote about this life. You know, no more than 75 words per 
painting that we couldn't see the painting on the left hand side of every page it was white just the label and that's where she thought we would envision you know what this image would look like it was fascinating I really really enjoyed this book and I I do wish I had read it twice before I interviewed her but you know it's too late for that Um, you can always read it again I could read it again but I won't be able to go back and ask her, ask <laughs> oh, her more questions. True. That's true. Yeah. It's, I love, you know, I love a novel structure. That is fantastic. Almost epistolary, but not really. Just different than anything else. Different than anything wow, else. Wow, I can't wait to read that yeah, one. Yeah, it comes out on October 17th. Um, one Woman Show by Christine Coulson. Okay, well, my last one will get us right into the spooky fall atmospheric reading season, and that is How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. So this novel came out in January. Why you release a haunted house book in January, I'll never know. (laughs) But I bought it. I pre-ordered it because it's Grady Hendrix, and I loved, loved, loved Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. And now I just want to read everything he writes. This one does not disappoint. I do believe you have talked about this one in a previous episode. Probably because I interviewed him. Right. So um, I won't talk too much about it. Just to say, um, I'm so glad I saved it to read in October. It was the perfect spook. It is. uh, There are scenes that are quite disturbing. I'll say it is a horror novel. It is not to be messed with. There are some freaky Puppets (laughs) (laughs) and awful, awful dolls. And there are puppets who I still envision, uh, you know, a week after finishing this novel. So, so don't go in if you have any kind of puppet or doll um, triggers. (laughs) The basic premise is that these two adult children that are kind of estranged, a sister and brother, learn that their parents have died in Charleston. So that's another reason I love Grady Mm -hmm. Hendrix is he sets his books in Charleston, and I'm familiar with that city. So they, they return to their home uh, in Charleston to try and settle the estate, and their mother was in a puppet ministry. <laughs> and the house is filled with puppets and dolls, and, you know, they don't stay inanimate <laughs> for long in this, uh, in this novel. So it was just super creepy, but also in Grady Hendrix's wonderful style, it was hilarious if you can, I, you, you can believe it because yes. you've read him. But uh, if you've never read Grady Hendrix, yes, it is absolutely possible to be just basically freaking out one second about a scene and just rolling over with laughter the next. Just his turns of phrase, his dry humor at times, just fantastic. So that's uh, How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. There you go. Yeah. So let's talk about fall reading. Okay. Now that we've talked about Grady Hendrix. Beth, do you approach, I mean, do you do you feel like you read seasonally? I know you have to read a lot for work. Right. I get to choose what I read for work. So, so that's, that's, we're different in that way. But I mean, well, you choose it too. But um, do, do you change your habits at all in the fall? No. No. <laughs> Actually, I, I do that a more open-ended question. <laughs> I do slightly in that I'm deadline-oriented. So if I feel that the year is coming to the end, and I mean, I usually I I participate in the challenge, but I do not even look at the categories oh, until this right would before, be and then I, the, I fill in the blanks. This would be the read ICT challenge, right? Or the, thank you. Yeah. Or um, also, if there were some books that I wanted to get to and just hadn't. Sometimes I feel like, oh, I can squeeze them in before the end of the year. So you see fall as a home stretch (laughs) of the reading year. I do. I see it as a very specific sort of atmosphere of reading, a very specific vibe. And and I think it goes back to actually 
when the school year would start. Mm. So so I do tend toward like campus novels in the fall. Um, I, you know, I tend toward, you know, sort of heavier literary fiction where it's not, you know, summer reading tends to be a little bit lighter and brighter. Not always, because I always tend toward literary fiction and kind of award winners. But um, yeah, when, when autumn rolls around, I want, that's really the only time of year I read spooky stuff generally and I don't like spooky stuff yeah, but you read it and, and enjoy mm-hmm. it sometimes you read The Quiet Tenant you read yeah. it depends but on I who you're interviewing read, I guess yeah. right and I don't know that I would ever pick up Stephen King right as who, much as I admire his writing no yeah he also has a new one out by the way it's called Holly okay um, but one thing that where we are similar is that fall is traditionally pretty heavy on literary fiction this is the time of year when publishers tend to get their potential award winners out there in the world. And um, this is a season when you'll see a lot of really heavy hitter authors come right. out with new books. Well, and we're approaching the gift-giving season. Gift-giving season And the book as well. concierge season oh, and everything. Yeah. So, yes. yeah. Book concierge. I mean, books we love. Yes, we, uh, it should go back. It should go back to book concierge, but <sighs> yeah. that's neither here nor there. They're not going to listen to us. <laughs> um, but let's talk about some of the releases, some of these fall releases we're looking forward to or, or already reading. So you're a big Lauren Groff fan. She has a new one out. She does. And uh, I haven't. I haven't. I do not have it. Okay. And I don't know if I'll be able to read it. Oh, you will. I'm sure you will. You loved The Matrix. I loved The Matrix. I read Fates and Furies. I have not read The Matrix, so that's still on my list. I but have this one Florida sitting on a stack at home. Uh, oh, yeah, I read Florida too, which is her, her collection of short stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, this new one is called The Vaster Wilds, and I'm looking forward to that one. Another one is Let Us Descend by Jesmyn Ward. Jesmyn Ward of uh, Salvage the Bones. And Sing, Unburied Sing, I'm I'm looking forward to that one. The other one I have started is Rouge by Mona mm-hmm. Awad. Mm-hmm. I did not read Bunny, oh, her previous I novel. I read Bunny. And you loved it, I right? I did. I loved her. It's kind of weird, right? It's, yeah. It's uh, magical realism. <laughs> yeah. Magical realism, which I say I don't like, and I always do. So that one's called Rouge, and it's kind of based on fairy tales, I believe. Oh, that would make sense because yes. um, she, if I remember right, she she like wrote her dissertation on fear in the fairy tale oh, or something like that. Oh, okay. I have to go back and look. Well, this one has yeah. a rose on the cover, but it's very dark and oh, it's just, oh, it's calling to me. Are there any on this list that uh, that you want to shout out? Um, or any that you're particularly looking forward to? Otherwise, we'll just go through them. I mean, I will echo something. And the only one I want to add is somebody who I believe I'm talking to, Michael Cunningham, has a book coming out in like his first one in 10 years. And we have an interview scheduled with him, but I'm blanking on it. So let me find it. Okay. I have it right here. It's called Day. (laughs) Day. Day. By Michael Cunningham. Okay, good, good. Well, the other ones that uh, I I have listed here just, and this is like, what's amazing is this is not even a drop in the bucket of all of the books that are coming out this year and particularly this season. Zadie Smith has a new one called The Fraud. I love Zadie Smith. I understand that the audio on this is fantastic. She narrates. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Um, Yi Yoon Lee, who wrote Book of Goose, has a collection of short stories out called Wednesday's Child. Somebody just put a copy of Book of Goose on my desk. Who was that? What know, a nice so person. Nice. <laughs> 
<laughs> Somebody must have found it at the library bookstore and <laughs> thought you needed it. Um, and then Jhumpa Lahiri. I love her too. Well, this one is called Roman Stories. Were you aware that it was written? She wrote Probably it in Italian. She wrote it in Italian and then translated it into English. This is not her first time doing this. Oh. Um, she recently moved over there and decided that that was going to become her primary language. Um, yeah, this why is, are people so much smarter than us and, and more beautiful? And but <laughs> everything. But did you read um, like the one I remember loving, loving, loving of hers is the namesake. Um, I'm embarrassed to say I've never read her. Oh, I want to read, read Interpreter of Maladies is a oh, collection yeah. as well. Too, I believe right? so. I've did Anwi has Anwi read Jhumpa Lahiri? I don't think so. I don't think we have. Well, there's a there's a suggestion. We'll have to read it in Italian. <laughs> so that's uh, Jhumpa Lahiri's new uh, collection is called Roman Stories. Alice McDermott uh, is out with a new novel titled Absolution. She's the author of. The Ninth Hour and Someone, which I did read. I think I've read both of those as well. And Charming Billy. Really a quiet, um, uh, she reminds me a little bit of Marilyn Robinson. Yeah. Love her. Uh, Naomi Alderman of the um, female rage novel The Power is out with another futuristic uh, novel called fittingly, the future. (laughs) Um, And then Sigrid Nunez, who wrote The Friend, which I believe won a National Book Award. That's, you know, that's on my list. That might be an interview coming up. The Vulnerables is one. And that one has a really great cover with some birds on it. And I want to know what the deal is. Also, I did find this out in Ennui. Um, She pronounces it Nunez. Oh, Nunez. It's not Nunez. Right. Okay, good. Sigrid, sorry about that. Sigrid Nunez, uh, author of The Friend, which was about a dog, sort of, you know. Um, And then Claire Keegan, who had all the, she had Foster and... Some holiday type books, really short, mm-hmm. um, gifty, but uh, literary books is out with another one. So Late in the Day, she's another Irish author. So Late in the Day, Stories of Women and Men. So if you uh, enjoyed Claire Keegan's works the past couple years. And then, Beth, we have some huge celebrity memoirs coming out this season. Mm-hmm. Um, one, uh, Barbara Streisand has a big one that's almost a thousand pages. I think it's I over hear. a thousand pages. Oh, my gosh. Barbara, Barbara. <laughs> like butter. Um, so she has one, Brit- the Britney Spears um, long-awaited memoirs coming out that where, where everyone is wondering how much tea she will spill. Um, Elon Musk, the Walter Isaacson uh, look at Elon Musk is coming out. There's a, uh, an, a memoir of Madonna coming out this month. And then Jada Pinkett Smith, speaking of spilling the tea. Yeah. Uh, will Smith's wife uh, is out. Sep- I just I didn't realize they were separated until I saw oh, something they? yesterday. Yeah, well, They've they been... have they they've had kind of an interesting oh, marriage okay. even before the the big slap oh, okay. um, at the Oscars. But every, everyone, of course, is wondering if she will mention that Oscar incident mm. with her husband <laughs> um, at the Oscars. So th- those are just yeah some of the some of the many big titles coming out. Uh, but really, I I sort of when I go into my fall reading. Uh, I was telling Beth recently. I was. I was. Tell, I was. I was telling you recently how <laughs> I. <laughs> Go ahead and talk like I'm not person. here. <laughs> I was. Uh, I was telling you recently how I had. I was looking at two backlist books. I really, really try to fit in some backlist books whenever I can. So I'm looking at the Overstory by Richard Powers and the Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstern, mm-hmm. and I have not read either of those. 
both of them are rave, 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 raved about. And when I asked you, okay, the Overstory or Night Circus? And you went, oh, Night Circus. And, Only because and I've, read th- I've read that one. I know, but still. I, I was with you when I bought the Overstory before oh, it right. won any award. Well, we both own it. We both own but it. But it's also like it's uh, so intimidating. <laughs> yes, and it's about trees. And I know I'll love it. If, I know I'll love it. You know, it. Richard Powers, if you want to talk to me, I'll read the book. And you can guarantee <laughs> Be guaranteed I'll read the book in yeah. a timely manner. Yeah. But, you know, if you, if you if I miss it, it's yeah. so hard to go back. I know, but I have to. That's going to be one of my major reading goals for next year is to to try and go back to the Because there's, as we just mentioned, I mean, look at this long list of books we just mentioned that are coming out just this season. Mm-hmm. There's no way we can get to all of them. And so, of course, we miss some treasures. I really, I kind of want to go back you know, the past 10 years and say, okay, what were the books I was so excited about then and just didn't get to? Um, But I'm really going to try and knock more of those out next year, I think. It's kind of nice when it comes to fall to like look at your shelves and say, oh, maybe this, maybe this right now. And that's kind of the way I approach the season. A couple of um, suggested books that I will say are perfect for fall. We mentioned We Have Always Lived in the Castle. That's a great mm-hmm. Shirley Jackson, really, really small novel I and creepy and twisty What's and wonderful. What's the name of that character's name? Meerkat? Mer- oh, yeah, Mary Cat. Mary Cat. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh, I need to read it again. That's one I would read again. I have to do a shout out for If We Were Villains, a novel by M.L. Rio. It's a campus novel where the characters are at a school studying Shakespeare. They're Shakespeare students, and they're putting on the play that shall not be named on the stage. Mm, but mm-hmm. yeah, so there's like, so there's Macbeth references, and they break into Shakespearean dialogue, but it's at the heart of this novel is a mystery, uh, a, a murder. And then um, Braiding Sweetgrass, I think, is a perfect book for fall. This is the, and I talked about it in a previous episode, but Robin Wall Kimmerer, she's an indigenous author and biologist, and she talks about just sort of all the, uh, just the magic of the plants and things around us. And it, it's wonderful on audio as well. So I will I will stop there. And uh, I've never, but except to say that I haven't yet read The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Well, yeah. And every fall I say I'm going to read it. I'm, I see three books listed here that I actually have some connection with. Oh, wow. Um, Secret History, I've not read it. It was recommended to me by um, a local artist here named John Arnett, who actually went to school as an English major, which wow. interested me. Yeah. But when a dear friend of ours passed away recently, his wife invited us to his library to choose a mm. book, and I chose The Secret History. So I now have it. Oh. Yeah. And in a wonderful way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you also have Rebecca. Yes. By Daphne du Maurier. And I started listening to this. I have a copy of a really old copy that smells like it's the original. Mm. But Which I, is great for this novel. Yes. I was. I started to read it, and I had um, borrowed a copy of the audio from the library. And I loved this narrator, the way she would say Mendeley or whatever. Right, and, right. And then I had to return it. And then the library switched apps, and now I cannot find that same audio version oh, with the no. narrator. And that's what I'm waiting for. And you don't know her, her I name. I don't. I don't. So, oh, wow. I'm so s- if you can help solve this mystery, <laughs> let us know. And then you also have on there listed Shadow of the Wind. Yes, I know you love this book. I did not love, love, love it as much, but it is total fall atmospheric dark. You know, if I go back to read it again, I don't know if I would love it as much. It yeah. was just... 
oh, I remember exactly where I was when I read oh. it and that I skipped a class that I, <laughs> Sarah Bagby and I were scheduled to do this quilting class. And I went to the quilting class and said to Sarah, I'm sorry, I have to go home and read. And that's the perfect oh, person to say it to. Of course. She was my boss and the owner of the bookstore, so she understood. <laughs> but yeah, that book, wow. And it's one of our, uh, it crosses into another one of our favorite genres, which is a book about books. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, that is a wonderful one. Yeah. Uh, but so any other fall books you'd like to talk about? Oh, no. Makes me want to go home and read. I and know. I have a nice new throw this cushy like velvety orange um, blanket that I got for my birthday which is in August (laughs) (laughs) and I've been waiting it's pumpkin colored and I'm just gonna oh it's gonna be it's gonna start to get cool here in Wichita this week and I cannot wait to just snuggle up and do some fall reading my birthday is in October and I always get happy belated birthday by the way I always get pumpkin related like pumpkin themed (laughs) gifts. So if you want to give me something April related, let me just throw it out there. Yeah, kind of like uh, my, yeah, my <laughs> August birthday I always yeah. had ice cream cake, but not that I complained <laughs> because I love ice cream cake, but <laughs> yeah, you sort of get into a, an annual rut. Well, that sounds like a great place to stop. Um, until next time, keep turning those pages. Bye, Beth. Bye, Suzanne. Books and Whatnot is a production of KMUW Wichita. Our team of engineers, producers, editors, and hosts are Mark Statzer, Torin Anderson, Haley Krausen, Jonathan Huber, Luann Stevens, Carly Cooper, Beth Golay, and Suzanne Perez. You can reach us by email sent to podcasts at kmuw.org, on Twitter at Books and Whatnot, and on Instagram, books underscore and underscore whatnot. Find more conversations and a list of books discussed in this episode at kmuw.org.